Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. My name is Matthew Dawkins, as you well know, and I am joined, as ever, by my colleague Eddie Webb. Hello. And two very special guests, as well as a thumping beat in the background. I'm sure you lovely listeners would agree. I am because we are we are live, and by live I mean recorded at the UK Games Expo. Yes, well, not actually at the expo. We're in the Genting Hotel lobby. Uh, looking for a place without background noise, and this is about as good as it's going to get. <laughs> this is all we got. Yeah. Uh, so, I am joined, as, men- as I was mentioning, uh, by two very special guests. Uh, we have two of our wonderful colleagues with us. We have Michele Masala. Hello, everyone. And we have Chris Jones. Hello, everyone, as well. And uh, these are two new voices to you Onyx Pathcast listeners, I imagine, but maybe not too unfamiliar names. Uh, if you are familiar with our products or some of the books we've got coming up, you may have seen these people pop up on various channels talking about the games they've worked on. And uh, they are mainly at the UK Games Expo in an Onyx Path capacity to run some of those games for our lovely, lovely audience of customers, readers, role players, and such. But I don't need to go on and on about all of that. So but you will. Yeah, I will, because, you know, we need to fill an hour. We might not. I mean, this is, this is a whole new territory. I mean, the last time we recorded at a convention was 2019, right? Uh, when we did some episodes at, uh, no, 2020. 2020. In midwinter. In midwinter, right. So, so we haven't done a live show in a good long time so it we'll, we'll try to just make this go as naturally as possible but um we, we do have some camden pale ales to help us with the, the pathcast today so yeah i'm sure alcohol is what my throat needs after running <laughs> they came from camp murder lake earlier uh but i'm not going to go into that let's start with michaela tell the listeners who you are and what you're doing here uh, I'm the one who's drinking water right now, and uh, other than that, I'm Michele Masala. I wrote for a few things from the Chronicles of Darkness to the World of Darkness, uh, Trinity, Exalted, Sion. I'm a dev- the developer uh, along with Matthew uh, about uh, they came from the Cyclopses Cave, and uh, also for the they came from line and developing a supplement for Cyclopses Cave, which is. They came from Witchford Academy. As for Eater, I developed the Eternaut collection and I'm developing the Eater Companion. And in Scion, I'm doing alongside Romy the God Companion. So I've been around and doing stuff. Just a couple of things. As for what I'm doing in this convention, I'm running a lot of They Came From. I'm running Beyond the Grave, Beneath the Sea, Cyclops' Cave, of course, and also running uh, the jumpstart I wrote for Anima, the one uh, in uh, setting uh, Terra Surge in Synestia. So we're going to have fun with uh, MMORPG <laughs> characters there. Awesome, awesome. So how did you get started in the tabletop industry? How, what, what did you decide, hey, I want to do this professionally? Uh, my story is actually quite boring in that, on that side of things because uh, uh, I discovered the Whitefall Wolf games when I was around 15 and then uh, I went into what would became the Onyx Path with some Scion stuff and uh, I decided to try writing things and I kept writing and I could try to improve my writing and my English as well for a lot of years and sent my submission in and so eventually got in. So it's very basic, very pulling up my bootstrap story. <laughs> so. But that's good though. I mean, like um, there are so many different ways to kind of break in and get in, right? Um, and it's sometimes it's almost refreshing to be like, you know, I, I want to do this. I, I sent in the sample and I got hired and not keep getting hired. Because sometimes it can just be that simple. Yeah, I did that. I sent a couple of submission and I think uh, it was on my uh, either second or third one that Eddie and Dixie, Dixie hired me for uh, Mummy the Curse second edition uh, then some time passed between that and uh, my works on uh, a Beyond the Grave supplement Heroes in a World of Horror and then I latched into that line like a lamprey and never let go <laughs> appropriate, appropriate lamprey we like them do we? Well, lampreys, barnacles, anything that catches on and is underwater. So, so does our room captain. Yeah, 
I, I'm good with that. And uh, also, they keep me, they keep hiring me somehow. And I also Sion, the world below. I wrote a lot there. And uh, other secret things I can't speak. Otherwise, these gentlemen will kill me live and make me not so much alive. So, <laughs> well, if we run out of the 45 minutes to an hour that we've got allotted, and we need to fill it up, that could mm. work. <laughs> Well, uh, yes, I don't think it will be worth the sacrifice, <laughs> my NDAs for that. <laughs> because I like being hired again and again and again for my spot. So I'd rather avoid putting a stop, an abrupt stop to, to that for the sake of entertainment uh, at the back. <laughs> Sorry, Puffcast, no hard feelings for you there, but no. And NDAs are, are, are vicious mistress. Um, so what got you into role-playing games as a whole? Uh... Basically, I I like I always like to create stories, and uh, I always be toward uh, genres such as horror, fantasy, and uh, sci-fi. The, the genres of literature that people don't actually respect much, but uh, I've been always been creating uh, monsters and things as long as I can remember. So when uh, I discovered uh, an avenue for me to do that uh, with words I loved I learned to love such a, I start with the world of darkness then I fell in love with the Chronicles which I consider my first true home as a, a role player game then uh, I think I like the fact that to tinker and create always is always something I love so it was a match made in heaven to be honest. That makes sense. Um, how about you, Chris? Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, so, um, yeah, Chris Jones, uh, again, one of the freelancers. Uh, my credits are not nearly as illustrious as, as Michele's. Um, mainly because I've started a little bit later. I've only been, I think this is my second year working with Onyx Path. Oh, wait, so. wait to discuss no. my credits like that. Okay. <laughs> no. It's just time that gave me that <laughs> uh, Just yeah. time, only time. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, my first credit, um, and I think the only one actually released so far, is the Paranormal Investigator's Handbook. Um, uh, and since then, I've written uh, a couple of other World of Darkness elements that are still working their way through. Um, I did a Trinity Anima Jumpstart, which I think you are running tomorrow. Yep, yep. Uh, all day are. Oh, we yeah. are the two halves of the Trinity Anima Jumpstart. We are, yes. <laughs> you, you've got the Terror Surge, I've got the, the real-life version of it, although... Clearly, it's like a very twisted, weird version of real life. Well, it's all some, so something obviously went very well with that jump start if you're both running it at this convention. So, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Good job. I, I hope so. Um, and since then, a lot of my work has been on the they came from range. I think it's a bit of a running theme here. So, uh, the first, my first they came from credit was on Danger Zone. Um, so, I did the archetypes and cinematics on that. Quite a chunk of that book actually and um, segued straight into a story jumpstart for Camp Murder Lake um, which uh, was such a surreal experience because I'd actually run that story as, as a player with, with Matthew and then I wrote a version of that and <laughs> so it's like how much of real life do I pull into this story and how much do we kind of evolve the tale so I'm very happy with what happened um, that uh, with that and I'm working on, they came from the RPG anthology at the moment, the noir chapter on that was mine. So please check that out if you haven't already. It's nice. Oh yeah, I have the Western one, Cowboys Gulch, which has done well with the audience. Yeah, and we've got a good percentage of the uh, RPG anthology uh, creative team yeah. here. Um, yeah, they came from is one I've, I've very much latched onto in the same way that McKaylee has, um, because it scratched an itch in role playing that I didn't realize kind of existed and that's the humor part i've been running games since i was well running or in games since i was like about eight or nine years old uh -huh. and every single game you're in everything that you're doing there's always a lot of jokes and in jokes and movie quotations that are happening right. naturally in there um, but if i'm running like a world of darkness game and that happens it actually detracts from the game in a sort of way so you kind of encourage yourself not to do it even though you love it uh, whereas here, actually, you can shift that and it becomes a part of the game and it actually helps it. 
and that's what I've liked doing. It's I, I've always tried to make a joke out of pretty much anything um, that I can. So it seems doing that with my career seems a great way to. <laughs> so, so summarize your career is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? I turned everything into a joke. It's difficult with wedding vows, isn't it? When you make them into jokes as well. How did that go? Well, I am married nearly 15 years this year. Um, okay, that's a good, good result. Yeah. <laughs> won't tell my wife that. She won't be listening to this, um, thankfully. Um, so yeah, that's me. So, do you have any follow-up questions, Matthew? Well, I'd just like to say that I've made this comment a couple of times, and I don't think people have taken it seriously that I'm building a European army for Onyx Path Publishing of freelancers. So I steadily hire more and more European authors, and I would like people to know at this point that that isn't a joke. I intend to take over the company <laughs> from this side of the Atlantic by basically hiring a bulk of writers and developers. So sorry if you're American, I'm no longer going to be hiring you. Uh, you will be supplanted by someone. I'm looking for someone from Luxembourg or Liechtenstein. They're quite difficult to find. Uh, we've hit many of the countries in, in Western Europe now. But yes, I need to knock off the rest of the lowlands, low countries, and then um, make my way east, I guess. Maybe, maybe not phrase it like that. I'm just, you know, a, a British voice going, I'm going to knock off the low countries is perhaps not the, the best look. Sounds very Napoleon, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, well, going the, uh, eastward like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got to start somewhere, and uh, <laughs> Netherlands and Belgium have always shown themselves as remarkably easy to invade. Uh, so yeah, anyway. So, so how do I fit into your plans then? Uh, well, you are in Britain now. So. I'm technically British now. I'm a British citizen. So. Yeah. So you defected. <laughs> uh, I get my my information about the Americans from somewhere. But anyway, no one wants to hear about this. <laughs> and the mole? Yes, no one wants to hear this fanciful nonsense. Um, my question to my two esteemed guests is, well, they've spoken about they came from and the fact that they both love working on it, which, of course, makes me feel incredibly happy given that I'm the one who hired them to work on those games. Uh, but I want to know... Not their favorite they came from, because I think I know for both of them what that is. I want to know what their second favorite they came from is. Well, okay. Before, before I do that, what do you think their favorite ones is? Let's verify that. All right. Well, I'm not going to count Witchford Academy yet. Not because it doesn't count, but because it is still in development. So I'm going to say Cyclops' Cave for Michele, I think, has got to be favorite yeah. they came from. And probably even after Witchford happens, because I would have pitched Witchford first, but I pitched Cyclops' Cave because it really speaks me. And even if I'm more a fan of horror, to be honest, I can't help but to see Cyclops' Cave of a baby of mine at yeah, this point. So, so, so you're correct on one. Next one. So, okay, so Chris is a little more tricky because while Chris, of course, worked on Danger Zone, and also was the author of The Mean Streets for the RPG anthology. I think his favorite is probably Camp Murder Lake. I know he says because he told me some days ago. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Michele is uh, privy to inside information. Uh, <laughs> so, so there's more than one mole at this table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah. For me, the, the one that uh, got me is Cyclops' cave. Because ah. what? <laughs> yeah, Matthew. And, and I can tell you the reason why. So um, I used to love all the Harryhausen movies as a kid. And for right. me, there was two types of movies that I absolutely adored. Uh, the Sinbad's and Valley of Guanji stories and horror films. Uh, and those just tickled my fancy. And the, they came from range had been out for a while. And I remember it was the Onyx Path announcements of one year when you said Cyclops' Cave was coming out. And that was what made me take a proper look at the line. I was like, actually, that sounds really intriguing. This line is a bit more than Thank I you. thought it was. This line feels more than I thought it was. So uh, apologies. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm actually, that, that is really good. It's excellent news. I like to be surprised by these things. And don't get me wrong, I love Cyclops' cave <laughs> like I love all of the they came from. Okay, this is really sounds like parents saying that they love all the children equally while lying yeah. through their teeth. I don't care much for Benicio. Uh, uh, Camp Murder Lake is the one that I have run the most. Yeah. So um, that I've done 
four. You don't five have things. to hold your punches for Matthew. You can. I, no, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, no, the thing is, it's a really easy story to run. You only need to really kind of plan out who your villain is and the, the build up to that and any kind of little blind spots you want to put into places, any false jump start scares. Um, after that, everything just runs itself. See, that, that, that is, in my view, a winning endorsement and advertisement for they came from, especially Camp Murder Lake, that, yeah, all you need to do is think of the slasher, think of the villain, and let everyone stumble into his pitchfork or whatever the weapon is that this slasher is using. Right. So, okay, so, well, I'm, my question still stands. Um, we're not just going to keep going down the list. And what's your least favorite? Yeah. Um, what's your second favorite they came from? Um... I'll let Chris answer because I wasn't thinking about this. So I think I just answered it because um, I said Camp, yeah, Camp, Mur Murder, Camp Murder Lake. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's one when I first read it and before I played in the game that, uh, game that Matthew ran, I did think, is this, how well is this going to go? I wasn't, I wasn't sure how it would work because I thought, oh yeah, okay, one shot, it's, you know, we're killing off all of our characters. But it's not like that. I've run a, a multi-session game on it and you know, come back for the sequel and we have the survivors. Um, so it's, it's one that surprised me in, in a way that I, was, I wasn't expecting. And I do really enjoy running for it. I've, what, an hour ago? We were running games yeah. in, in a convention. So um, I just ran a game of Camp Murder Lake. I had a whole group of pigs uh, assault. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, assault my penthouse worth of sports team people. They were not expecting pigs. Uh, they even told me they weren't expecting pigs. Who, who does? Who can expect werepigs? Well, that's what I asked them. Um, and they didn't have an answer for that one, thankfully. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there's so much that you can do with it. It's a very rich uh, little line. So yeah, second spot, Murder Lake. Okay, I'll avoid doing uh, an, the other baby of mine because it's not a fair of an answer. It's not out yet, so yeah. we can say. We'll see how it shapes up in the end, but I'll have to go with Beyond the Grave, uh, the baseline Beyond the Grave, because I'm a, such a huge fan of uh, Vincent Price. The, 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 my personal Holy Trinity is Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, and Christopher Lee. Uh, I remember doing a big mistake when I was around 12, 13, and they were running marathons of that in uh, Italian television up to... 4 a.m. and there was school in the morning oh, and I did, I did a whole week of that uh, and no regrets even though things were difficult in the morning so uh, I got expelled but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the movies are great House of Wax who can turn down House of Wax really <laughs> but uh, to see uh, a game like that uh, replicate uh, the movies I love uh, with all the effects and all the whole range uh, it really makes me feel as if I'm tapping into uh, the exact vibe. I can hear the voices of uh, them and uh, all the others when they play that game. And I can see them through the pages, basically. And uh, that's something I really do love. Yeah, there, there's something about horror that mm. does that. It's absolutely a huge love, any type of horror stories. So that's what got me into roleplay properly i've done spacey type ones and dungeony type ones but yeah yeah uh, the horror games were the ones that really stood out to me because you can create such a sense of dread and you can do so many different things and creating monsters or fighting monsters or being monsters whichever side you're on uh, it's nothing really compares to that there's me. this movie by roger corman of which the italian title uh it's uh, I don't know if it's the same one for uh, the original one. It probably isn't because it never is. We do change titles quite a bit. But it's this uh, movie with uh, Vincent Price and Boris Karloff. Uh, uh, it's uh, more comedic in tone by Roger Coman. And uh, I do feel that spirit in Beyond the Grave, uh, even uh, if sometimes I'm writing it more uh, straightforward, even if... Uh, I try to give uh, to the games I run in Beyond the Grave uh, not uh, really humor, but to the humor comes fr from lo loving those movies. I always say that uh, uh, they came from can be a line from uh, which um, covers comedy, but I think uh, that uh, the real heart of they came from is that uh, they show love for the movies they cover, yeah, yeah. rather than. Uh, 
comedy is there, but uh, it's the love that make, makes things resonate with people. It, it's actually. loving satire. It's not, mm-hmm. t- not being spirited. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I end up putting horror into any game that I write or, or that I run. Uh, I, I've written a supplement for a, a, a well-known dungeon-based uh, game and very much based what I wrote there on The Shining. Standout piece for oh, me. Wow. Uh, and just setting a story in a hotel rather than any of the other normal things you would do just so I could put lots of horror and ghosty type references and all of that. Yeah, it's... Uh, reading through the Chronicles of Darkness books, reading through the World of Darkness books. I think even if I was running a Trinity story, I'd have to have some sort of horror element in there because it's tension. And I think right. players thrive off of that. It doesn't need to be psycho killers with axes or vampires. It can Horror can come from so many different places, even just characters' mm-hmm. actions. So yeah. that's what I like from these games. There's these, the other game uh, I think that I put my most of my heart into is... Uh, the world below, which we, it's really, basically, to quote uh, uh, a certain horror artist, uh, it's made for me. So I put a, a lot of myself in the world below, and I fell in love with it immediately. I, I poured tons of my heart into it, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to see the exact combination of uh, dark fantasy and horror I put in there. So because. Uh, the world below is not quite here yet, and it will take some time, but uh, I personally consider it already uh, one of my all-time favorites, and uh, right after they came from, it's the thing uh, I worked on for Onyx Path that uh, there's more, uh, more of me into it, so I'm really looking forward for people to see that. Yeah, so I don't have NDAs to break about World Below one, so I can only come at that one as a fan. I've enjoyed what I've written on the kind of weekly blogs that have been coming from there. And you can see a lot of where it's going from. I can see that there can be maybe even like some political type elements um, running through that, that kind oh, of top-down yeah. uh, top approach. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to explore with a game like that. Not just the monsters at the bottom, but the monsters at the top. Right. Um, and not like necessarily the ones above the, the surface level. Um, I, I like the idea of there being a society that you're a part of um, within that, based on what I've read, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, going off Spelunking and finding out what else delves in the deep and right. doing all those, those sorts of pieces. Um, I'm looking forward to, to reading what's been put together for that and uh, seeing what can be done. Yeah, with it. it was really fun because basically. Uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, dark fantasy that uh, goes from Berserk to Dark Soul, Bloodborne, Elden Ring. And uh, Matthew probably made a mistake when he told me, Michele, you have these words, go off and do your thing. He just gave me total freedom and I did yeah, the I'm thing. I'm a very relaxed developer. I never oversee what my writers write. I just let them do whatever <laughs> the fuck they like. And... <laughs> but uh, I'm... It's a compliment in the sense that you trusted me a lot yes, on that. I definitely did. I knew that you were the right person for that job, and it, I believe, paid off. Uh, I think all of us, uh, especially myself and Rich, uh, upon reviewing your work, we're very, very happy with that best, Yuri. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's rare, I think, to look at a manuscript and think, wow, these monsters really help define the setting. A lot of the time you'll look at the rules or you'll look at the playable characters, and while they obviously are massive pillars that hold up the world below as well, um, the, the bestiary that exists within that book is uh, yeah, really quite something. So yeah, thank you for that. Uh, so uh, preempted probably the next like, six or seven questions I had, so that, that's great. I mean saved me having to chatter about this stuff. Um, and it certainly sounds like your European army is faithfully loyal to you. Well, they should be. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I am the table captain, according to the UK Games Expo. <laughs> it's been a running joke uh, here at the show is because um, we're all in the same room. And we'll talk more about this uh, in our next episode. But um, we're all in the same room. And Matthew was assigned table captain. So he gets a nice snazzy yellow uh, uh, tablecloth. I like to think of it as gold. 
A gold tablecloth. Yes. Thank That's you. Sir. That's gold. to point out for the benefits of our listeners. It's, it's just yellow. It's yeah. just straight up yellow. It's mustard, but Okay, so I have been confused by the mustard thing. It's coming as an American who's new to Europe. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy mustard. Wait until you sample French mustard. I, I know French mustard. Mm. The French mustard has made it to the U.S. I know there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. But everything else is just mustard. And I was like, oh, okay, so it should be fine. And I did not realize how, how spicy, or, or at least uh, heat-wise, European mustard is compared to American mustard. So I was initially very surprised. I turned out I like it, so that's gr- good for me. But it was more like, oh, this is the same thing, right? And it, it, it's not. So, so yeah, part of I my mean, learning curve as a American former American. Mustard, you, can, you can give American mustard to children. It's like yellow ketchup. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost nothing, right? I, I, yeah. I do like American mustard for... Yeah, yeah, there's going to be one angry fan right now saying, "How dare you insult? How dare you insult my American mustard?" I, I, I'm a fan of mustard. I actually have probably about six or seven different mustards in my cupboard. Oh, really? We're, we're speaking to the right person there. Yeah, apparently, I might meet the mustard expert here. Well, so. so, we live quite close to Europe. So, if we ever go to Europe, we'll be like, oh, "I'm going to buy some mustard in a French supermarket or a Belgian." Supermarket, and they always come home with Technically, them. Technically, so. we are still in Europe. You are in Europe, you <laughs> traitors. <laughs> are we, though? Really? Uh, the continent is Europe. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, um, it's, it's, it still hurts that we have to, <laughs> have to have this conversation. It's so sad. <laughs> well, um, regardless, I mean, yeah, uh, I know my mustard. And you must, okay, it's a dip. Am I allowed to make the joke that we don't give mustard to children? But we give them wine when they're still young. Yeah, yeah, the French, the Italian. Yeah, I'll go for the humiliating yeah, stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. You're allowed. It's okay. It's your, it's your culture. Yeah, yeah I, I don't like when other people do these jokes, but I can make them. Yeah, red wine, red wine at a young age is absolutely fine. White wine, I draw a limit there. Children shouldn't be drinking white wine. It's yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a party drink for. For idiots. Eva, <laughs> a saying that goes that red wine makes blood in Italy, so it helps growing up. That just sounds threatening. <laughs> well, I, there's the nuances uh, sorry, of Matthew, the language I, uh, that don't can work. Can I retrospectively go back to my quips in Mean Streets and add that one in? <laughs> <laughs> that makes blood. Makes blood. Red wine makes blood. Um, yeah, it does sound like if a British tourist said that in, let's say, Prague, uh, that would be something said before a fight would break out. <laughs> On a stag do. I think a British tourist yeah, can't so anything they say. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Some expressions don't translate well, but you know, especially nice. sayings are difficult because you have. Well, I'm glad we've covered off mustard and wine. Uh, <laughs> it's these what kinds of today. <laughs> well, it's fun, funnily enough. Yes, uh, we're having a bowl of mustard <laughs> and and wine poured on top. It's a Heston Blumenthal thing. Um, really, uh, it doesn't work because of the flavours, it works because of the combination of textures. It's alright if you've got a cracker between the two of them, but otherwise it becomes something obscene. I like how this is, this is the hill you're going to die on. It's like, well, no, everything else to this point was fine, but that's the moment where it becomes ludicrous. I think if I... So, I, I'm no chef, as is apparent. <laughs> But, but you are a room captain. Yes. I feel like if you had some kind of jellified red wine, which I know sounds appalling, uh, on some kind of relatively thick, salty cracker, and underneath it you had a layer of mustard, you would actually end up with a reasonable combination of flavors that could actually be surprisingly pleasant i put it to the listeners i want one of you uh, and only one because everyone else will probably have died um one of you insurance won't cover more than you (laughs) one of you to report back after you have uh, jellified red wine and uh, made this combination i think you will be surprised with how pleasant it is you're adding this one to your list of crimes (laughs) to be honest it could be disgusting i'd still be surprised at how pleasant it is because i'm expecting something really quite bad (laughs) i I do want to put for context um because this is something that jokes that some of us at the table understand but the listeners don't um uh is that at one point in time we had a discord just for developers it's since we've integrated in different directions point but we had a channel called matthew's cursed food 
Yes. Because Matthew yes. would just post the most abominable food combinations oh, to our Discord. It was we, we had to sequester it into a separate channel so it could be muted by people who had taste. Yeah, and I maintain that not all of it was abominable. I went to a restaurant once and had caviar ice cream, which sounds appalling. But genuinely, the combination... Uh, I don't know why I'm feeling like I've got to justify this to... <laughs> How dare you! To my fellow guests and, and to the listeners. And yet... We are the, frowning the, at Matthew right now. Sal the saltiness of the caviar. Again, you need a decent biscuit between yeah. the caviar and so the ice cream. And the ice cream... The yeah, the ice cream being... Obviously, it's got to be vanilla. Anything else would be appalling. But putting the three, okay. to putting the three together, salt... Sweet crunch. It's actually a really good mixture. Try it. You will. I, I, I recommend something else as well. Use goat's cheese as spread. Don't use goat's cheese. Use it like butter. Use it like butter on on some. Does nice it have bread. Does it have a flake in it? No, no. I'm not not so, a heathen. So to take this slightly back to these role play <laughs> games, um, I'd like to pitch an idea of a, a cookery based role play game. Um, and Matthew Dawkins is going to be one of the villains in yeah. this diary. <laughs> oh, Vincent Price style in, um, oh, what you all know, the movie, it's the one where Vincent Price uh, is the, oh, Theatre of Blood is where he's the... Uh, Poor Vincent Price is the villain. Yeah, yeah, down. yeah. No, he, yeah. he's a theatre director and all the critics slam him and his oh, play yeah. has to get shut down early and so he kills every one of the critics in a... It was one thousand. In a Shakespearean style, uh, and okay. one of them, uh, he feeds a man's prized poodles to because he basically kills him in the same style as Titus Andronicus feeds his guests their children. Oh, um, right. And, and it's actually quite a clever movie, Theatre of Blood. It's quite enjoyable. It's probably yeah, one of its. Has got some themed kills between that and uh, Doctor Fives, which are well yeah. biblical. Yeah. So he had themes going. Arguably, I'd say the roast poodle does sound better than the jellified red wine. That's <laughs> 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 combination, so. Matthew's cursed food. The red wine, because I let's keep the dog safe, please. Yeah, yeah. Jellified red wine. I, uh, if I have to choose. Leave red wine long enough, it'll get jellified without any addition. I mean, I wonder. I argue, do you know how alcohol works? Port is already <laughs> jellified red wine. I wonder which life choices put me in in the choice between jellified red wine and good poodles. <laughs> so. The life choice was to come into the Pathcast because this is exactly how every episode okay. goes. We just were so supposed you know. to be talking uh, next about the games you ran at the UK Games Expo. Uh, well, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because so, uh, we're probably going to cover that in ours. So um, talk a little bit about uh, the games you, you ran or are planning to run at this show. Uh, I ran Beyond the Grave and tomorrow I'm running Jumpstart, as I mentioned, the Anima Jumpstart. Then uh, in the afternoon, I'm uh, running Cyclops' Cave, which in one of its many interactions, could, uh, it's specifically about Arthurian uh, uh, setting. Okay. I have him, people trying to save Camelot or Doom it. Oh, nice. And uh, then I'll, on Sunday, I run uh, Beneath the Sea in a title which gives off some of the plot, which is titled Crab Attack. So. <laughs> It Those won't. are the best movies, though. The real enemy is the killer kelp. The, the crabs are a patsy. The real enemy is the friends we made along the way. Exactly. <laughs> so, that's my games. Okay. Uh, they go well with mustard, those crabs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I was and actually... wine. <laughs> I was sat next white wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was sat next to uh, Michele's table um, when we were running our games earlier, and I could, all I could hear was one man standing up shouting, The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, I did yeah. that as well. So, I know that. Uh, <laughs> get an idea of how raucous these things were. Um, but I was running uh, the game from Camp Murder Lake. I've already mentioned uh, the Were Pigs. My story was called Penthouse of Horror, and uh, basically I decided to put some uh, working class uh, school kids from Strange Hill School. Mm -hmm. um, up against uh, beaten school for the ludicrously well-funded. Um, <laughs> uh, and their team name was called the Blinkings. Uh, Blinkings. Um, and basically I just wanted to have the opportunity to use lots and lots of very posh British accents and, and create some thoroughly unlikable people with um, very silly uh, names. Um, 
uh, Cecil Frenulum Warners was. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! He was. Yeah. He was. He was. He was um, he was popular. Uh, they were asked to go and speak to uh, Coach Chatres, but when they found, got there, they realised it was actually pronounced Coach Chart. Um, <laughs> it's French. Um, and then they were attacked by West Country Werepigs, um, who basically crashed the party and forced these two uh, people, groups of, that would never have anything in common, to try and work together. Uh, and it was fun. It worked, worked very well. Um, and yeah, there was lots of uh, roast pig by the end of it. Um, <laughs> tomorrow I am doing, uh, came from beneath the sea. Um, Michaela and I must have been psychically joined somehow because while mine isn't called Crab Attack, it's called uh, the Crabsburger Island Incident. Uh, by the way, <laughs> spoilers, the for any, <laughs> spoilers for any time travelers here. Uh, we're going to go back. Um, so that one's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing that because this is all about crabs coming into Crabsburg Island, imitating uh, the key people of the city and causing a bit of a catastrophe while our players try and navigate so that. we're running hoops all crabs, basically. <laughs> they came from crabs. Yes. Um, oh, no. And basically, I'm running each of those stories twice. So tomorrow evening, I've got my pigs, and then Sunday morning, uh, kind of wear crabs I guess I hadn't yeah. really thought about it that way but yeah well crab people would identify as simply crab people there's nothing where about them I mean they're, <laughs> they're, they're crab. Yeah. <laughs> where crab they're crab <laughs> uh, I mean where crabs are not where see I'm making that mistake now uh, if there's racist one, yes if there's one <laughs> thing that could uh, species uh, that could be said to typify the average crab person is it's their solidarity with the working man. I think, <laughs> I think the were-crabs, are, you can meet, the, not even were-crabs, the crab people can be met on common ground if you invite them to your union, if you allow them to pay their dues and gain the benefits of working for a union or guild, you'll find that crab people can be perfectly reasonable. They just want a fair wage, a fair shake. That doesn't make them communists. And yet, and they came from beneath the sea, that is often how they are cruelly illustrated. So. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, to be honest. I'm going to have mine be an hour and out villains. <laughs> I think it'll be far more. I don't, I don't really want them to kind of parlay and then sit around eating kelp salads or something for, for dinner afterwards, sharing a nice glass of white wine or whatever. I, I respect Camus Scrubs, to be honest. <laughs> I've never well, had the pleasure of meeting one, but um, <laughs> if, if you want to make some introductions, I'm, I'm open to it. <laughs> I think I can arrange something in a sense. I feel like this table is breaking down uh, the, 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 the sympathies towards communist crabs. <laughs> uh, you, you, so your army has already disintegrated in front of your eyes. Yeah. Because <laughs> Matthew plans to supplant the uh, company from inside, but I plan to supplant that they came from line from the inside. Ah, yes. I see, I see. Well, see, the capitalist lobsters, obviously lobsters are capitalist because it's only capitalists who can afford lobsters. Ah, I see, I see. Um, but yes, um, obviously I am only speaking with the voice of Beneath the Sea, which uh, has sometimes been cruelly misrepresented as uh, anti-communist, uh, which of course uh, that game is because it's set in the 1950s. And it has a firm McCarthyist tone, which is a terribly unpleasant time in the real world. Right. Uh, to be anything left of centre, or even left of Joe McCarthy. <laughs> and uh, luckily, in that game, he gets eaten by a giant clam. King Clam, in fact. So he's a royalist. Yes. Well, <laughs> the royalist eats Joe McCarthy, right. which is um, good. And to be honest... I'm sure McCarthy probably would have been happier with that than being attacked by communist crap. So... He I was died right. slightly happier. <laughs> <laughs> See, the threat is real. Um, the red threat because of the shots, by the way. Yes. Well, there you go. But they only go red in the um, cooking pot. So, yeah. It's on the plates. <laughs> um, but yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, to bring it back to something that, that's not crab related, and I understand this is a huge shift for us as a podcast. Uh, but I want to talk about Onyx Path for a moment. We are <laughs> We've been talking about they came from. We've talked about pretty much every they came from. Um, and, yes, and uh, Chris uh, plots for the Camp Murderaker reminded me that uh, by virtue of the fact that I never abandoned my dream of writing ghost bumps like things, 
someday, perhaps I will. There's, I also like Beneath My Bed a lot. Oh, they came from Beneath well, My Bed. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I'm very fond of They Came From Beneath My Bed. Uh, as a tasty bit, I think it really holds up. Uh, that and Dracula's Tomb are real favourites for me in the yeah. tasty bit lineup. And of course, you can buy them all in one big compilation now, can't you? And yes, you can. Buy the, they came from the Tasty Bit Compilation, which is exactly what it's called. Yeah, there mm -hmm. you go. Nice big hardback print on the man book. A gumbo, if you will. A gumbo. Of, uh, a slurry. Red a slurry they came <laughs> from. <laughs> it's in my cart. Uh, once uh, another book drops, I'll seal the deal and have that one printed. There you go, there you go. Uh, but um, I do want to talk for a moment since there's four of us here. Um, uh, I am relatively new to being a freelancer in Europe specifically. Um, and uh, Brexit jokes aside. Uh, and um, so this is not my first UK Games Expo, but it's my first UK Games Expo being here as a European. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, because you have a wide range of experience, has there been any particular uh, challenge or concerns trying to be a freelancer in Europe as opposed to having some of the access that, say, American freelancers have? Uh, well, uh, I always aimed at on this path, basically. Mm -hmm. So uh, my concerns uh, for a lot of my years trying to get into the industry was all about Onyx Path and I admit that sometimes I worry that me not being uh, uh, American uh, uh, would make complicated to, to get in touch with people or to be considered mm -hmm. and I always of course I had to uh, improve my writing uh, in a language which isn't my native one right so that took some time of course and uh, you always hear about the people that uh, you get more chances to work on stuff if you get in touch with others. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that doesn't come as easy to me, both because of how I'm made and uh, me being basically down there by the sea in, right. in Italy. So uh, sometimes I do worry about that. So I do wonder what would have happened if I was uh, born elsewhere and things, but I'm... I just go with my way because it's the only thing I can do. But sometimes you sure. can do but we wonder. Absolutely. Um, so, as I say, I'm still kind of new in this. But what I've found is, with everything being digital and everything being online, it has made it easier. Like, quite a few of the, outside of Matthew, of course, most of the other developers that I've worked with have all been based in the US. Okay. Um, and then it's just an email comes in and then you send, send something back or you, you have a call and maybe it's a, a different time. So it's been, it's been easier from that perspective. Right. Um, that said though, most of my work has been with Onyx Path. I've got a few uh, other credits under my name with a few other little companies uh, that have come around. But Onyx Path has been very easy to deal with because things like the Monday meeting blog, the Pathcast, um, Discord forums, it's easy to know who people are and understand a bit about what you're actually aiming at with these things. Right. Um, so that, that has been helpful. I don't, I, I haven't seen that as much elsewhere. Oh, okay. uh, trying to try find that with, with other companies has made it trickier. Um, so you, I, I, when I have worked with them, it's been luck more than uh, <laughs> skill here. Whereas, uh, it's been easier to be a bit more persistent because you can see trends, you can see people, uh, just a bit closer to right. me, even though you, until recently, have been based in the US. Mm. So, yeah. We do get, uh, on the Discord, I keep see seeing people that uh, uh, our fans are tell us uh, quite often that we are more, not approachable because that's not quite the right thing, but we are there, in a sense. Transparent. Mm, transparent and that uh, uh, also we don't shoot down uh, ideas on how to hack a game to have fun in a way because uh, it's not the right one uh, even if they sometimes notice that um, they uh, perhaps say I'd like to use they came from to do this thing in another game and if they can tell us that we don't sometimes care much about that idea we just will still 
go there and say, okay, if this is what you want to do, this is how I do it. I do it. So I think people appreciate that because we are mm, we are there in a sense that uh, uh, we're approachable in that sense and transparent in that sense. Yeah, it's the presence of that. There are other gaming uh, companies that I'm aware of where you can easily speak to fans, you can speak to kind of company like moderators and everything, but that's really as, as, as far as things uh, go. Right. Uh, so it's a different type of attitude. It's like, well, I don't even know who I'm speaking to, don't know how to address that. Um, that's my experience in terms of how I've got involved with Onyx Path yeah. uh, and, and stayed there. Yeah, no, to be honest, I would agree that's been my experience as well for the most part. Onyx Path has, uh, as you said, Eddie, it's transparent. Uh, we, and I don't mean to blow our company trumpet. Uh, so, oh, just, I just did it. Uh, I think the approachability, the fact that, yeah, the names of our developers, the people who might hire you, the fact that we advertise how to make, send pictures in, how to send in writing samples, that we are always trying to hire at least one new author per major book um, means that there is a way in and in my experience I found I have found the ability to attend US conventions pre-pandemic invaluable right. in terms of finding work but obviously that's a major undertaking to fly out to Gen Con let's say and network uh, because for the most part, the networking you do on the convention floor, at least in my experience, is very rarely fruitful. Now, some people will have different experiences, and I can think of a couple of assignments I have picked up over time by approaching a company with a business card and saying, hey, I'm Matthew Dawkins, I've worked on this game and this game, think of hiring me. But the fact is, people on a show floor are working, they're trying to sell their game, they're not really looking for me, right then the work i found through conventions like gen con and midwinter has been and i regret it i don't like that it's like this it's usually in the bar it's the hotel bar right. networking and i i don't i know eddie <clears throat> shares my view i don't really like the sort of drinking culture that sometimes follows cons around i think it's a lot better now than it used to be yes um, but it still exists that to get to really know people, to make introductions, to have, let's say, Eddie show me to a developer from another company and say, hey, this is a writer I've been working with. I, I think he does great work. You'd do well to hire him. Only really works in a social environment. It doesn't work in a business environment like the show floor of a convention. Right. Um, all that said, that means you've got to jump through a lot of hoops when you're a European to get to that stage at an American convention. Uh -huh. which means your best bet is to go digital and that is why Onyx Path can recruit so many global uh, especially European authors because we're, we are that approachable we do make ourselves transparent and I think that makes it easier for writers and developers and editors and artists to come to us yeah I, f I think that uh, of this um this attitude uh, on its path as and which goes uh, way backwards and I think that I remember very fondly when I was uh, I as I mentioned before I wrote uh, uh, lots of Ombrio and posted that on the Onyx path forum and then I remember that kept getting better eventually and it caught the attention of some uh, writers who encouraged me and uh, uh, like mm, uh, I always say that the first person who really believed in me and that I could become a writer was none other than Leaf. So I have very fond memories of Leaf because Leaf uh, was there for me and has believed in Michele because before uh, Michele believed. Yeah. <laughs> and no, no, also no. everyone else basically. And uh, so I'm, I have really good memories of Leaf being... Uh, they're trying to guide me on things, on how to improve things when I was passing homebrew after homebrew. And how happy was when I got fired for mommy and uh, more things. So, And that's an example of the attitude of Onyx Path that uh, I do try to keep uh, myself. Uh, and uh, I think 
makes the difference when uh, it can matter, I think. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I think the it, it's something we don't often discuss, but the idea of authors having an online presence doesn't mean you've got to have thousands of followers, but what it does mean is there is a there is a benefit to an author who is quite prepared to write their fan ideas of what this game sh could be like, you know, submit Storypath Nexus material, Canis Minor material, Slurisi Vault material, basically show that they are um, willing to do that kind of thing by themselves, not only promote themselves, but promote the company they want to work for. It is a part and parcel of being a freelancer now that you aren't just promoting yourself. If you want to get hired over and over again, quite often, sometimes the work will stand for itself and that's fine. Other times, that's a very tight field. So the sort of person who can also promote that work can reach people, will speak enthusiastically about it, will do interviews about it, will do actual plays about it, that kind of thing. You add all of those things up, it basically adds value to the freelancer. Now, it's not part of the job description. It should never be part of the job description, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I would say that when I look at writers, yes, of course, I look at their writing quality, but I also look at what can they do for this project beyond just writing. Right. And when I look, look at Michele, I see someone who is enthusiastically engaged with our fans, with colleagues in our social media. When I first hired Chris is because I had had the pleasure of reviewing one of his V5 Storytellers Vault uh, products and so that was for Vampire and I was really impressed by it and I thought wow I want Chris to work on a book for me you know I, it shouldn't just be community content so it's again you do have to push yourself out there you can't it sometimes works to send a pitch and sit back and wait for an approval, but often you need to just keep pushing yourself out there more than you might otherwise do for a regular job. Yeah. Um, and the rewards can be variable, but that's why a lot of the people in this industry do it out of love more than for profit. That's true. And I think the, the homebrew stuff, the vault type content, some of the best the best decisions I ever made were writing that content. It's not even about how much they sold, like the one that you reviewed, sold 50, 60, 70 copies, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to be retiring. Like, I can't put a deposit <laughs> on my yacht for that one, unfortunately. Pizza. Um, <laughs> but th the great thing about that is, yes, you get to practice your writing, but you also get to think critically about what needs to go in a book, what kind of content you're putting there, kind of even breaking it down to headings. That practice was invaluable for me in terms of structuring what I'm writing. Because as Matthew said earlier, a lot of these projects can be quite open-ended it's you know, here's, here's our brief it's you know x words these are the areas you're fitting into go wild right. and the the vault homebrew work i'd done before was the sort of thing that allowed me to understand how I want to structure it's not development work clearly uh, but you are still developing your little little piece um so i, I would definitely advise anyone who's in, thinking about it to, to get involved in writing that that content just putting things together putting ideas out there um, because you'll learn so much if I from that if I look at the first vault type work that came out which is not in the vault because it's rubbish um, <laughs> but I did that and I liked it I thought I'm gonna put a little bit more into this I had no experience as a writer beyond three and a half years ago um, but I was a frustrated artist um, right. So I wanted to create something. So I pretty much had to, to learn to write after 25 years of, of having been from school. Um, and yeah, it's all that homebrew content, really good stuff to do. <laughs> the very first homebrew I put on the Onyx platform, I was 16 and uh, I somehow decided that I would start right away with writing a whole uh, book about the Cthulhu Mythos Pantheon for Sion 1E, which was huge and I was not that good with English because uh, I was 16 still. I was, I've always been uh, good with it, but I went back looking at it and okay, I made some yes, progress from there. I'm not going to look at any of my early content again. I did very well. People were coming to say to me that uh, it was good right before Mask of the Mythos came out as well and I 
always said, uh, okay, thank you, I'm glad you like it, I can't like look at it anymore. But, uh, I don't know about you, but I think one of the first things that I kind of picked up once I moved from just writing my own stuff for me into Matthew giving me a brief and saying things was realizing word counts. Because I never cared about word counts when I was writing. I'm just going to write 20,000 words on whatever I'm writing, yeah. word, words on. And then suddenly having to hit word counts, having to narrow things down, made me so much more efficient and lean and hopefully yeah, better. It tells something about me that the very first thing I decided to write was 60k of a cyanombre, like it never doing anything before that. So See, I, I do have one They Came From <laughs> book um, in, in the vault um, that I put out. And when I was writing my brief for that, I did actually set word counts for each section. Oh, okay. Um, because that was my first personal writing project I'd done post having done a professional one. So I was like, okay. I'm going to try and take what I've learned. So I wrote myself my overview for it. I gave each thing uh, word counts, which were still probably much bigger than they needed to be. Um, and okay. then trying to fit within that. And it was a fun experience. You're better than me because my day came from thing on the vote. It just, whatever I need to be in there. <laughs> so North Pole, everything there about uh, Christmas uh, uh, movie. And it's cool. As long as it needs to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Pits of Hell was still 25,000-ish words. It still wasn't a small book by any stretch of things. I think we are running up to time. Eh? Yeah, we're actually getting time. Um, so, uh, do you have any final question for no. our guests here? No. Um, well, Cut I want to yeah, say thank you very much to both of them for coming along to the UK Games Expo. It's relatively short notice as well. You know, you have to rearrange your lives to come to things like this to some degree. And uh, it's wonderful not only to know that you are representing us in such a way, but also having been in a room where you're running games and hearing laughter from both your tables. I know, uh, and I do feel bad, and we'll, maybe we'll speak about it uh, when we do our next episode, Eddie, that you, of course, were running Pugmire, which can also be lighthearted, <laughs> but I do know that our volume was sometimes overwhelming your players. I, so. I, I, I just started hearing it off. It was fine. Oh, well, so as long as it didn't overwhelm you. Right, I, mean, I don't care about yeah, players. Yeah, fuck the players. <laughs> Um, but no, um, we've often said that the wonderful thing about they came from is you can always tell it's being run at a convention because we're the tables that make the most noise. We're obnoxious, basically. <laughs> um, but having a room full, John Dodd, the organizer at UK Games Expo, who put us all in one room, is either... I would, I'm going to say he's very smart for containing us in one field so we didn't all disrupt everyone else's games. But we, we sure showed those Forbidden Island players a thing or two. <laughs> Same circle of valor for all of us for the, the crime of running they came from. <laughs> my voice is going to be so shocked by, yeah. by Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. It's, it's only Friday and already my I voice is gone. That's already. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, basically, says, like, I appreciate you both doing this episode, um, coming to UK Games Expo, meeting you both uh, in person for the first time, which is great. Um, uh, it's been a really cool experience overall for me. Um, so, uh, do you have any final thoughts? How can people find you online? I'll start with you, Michaela. Where can people find you if they want to talk to you? I'm a little bit retreating from the online life uh, because Twitter is falling apart. So, yes. uh, you can find me on the on Xpath Discord. I'm there. I answer to things where I feel that I can give a proper contribution. So if you hang around the Scion channels or the, the Came From channels or their Trinity Eater channels, I, if you ask, I'll appear and uh, just repeat my name five times. And I'll... <laughs> five times? That's... Yeah, I'm, I'm more closely I mean, I mean, than Beetlejuice. Uh, yes. I mean, I'm used to three. I don't think I can stretch that far, but um, I'm, on, I'm on various other discords with you. Um, for me, um, I am on Twitter sometimes, uh, at Chipotle Chris. Uh, I'm also on the Onyx Path Discords as well, Chipotle Chris. Um, yeah, that's how you can easily find me. You can find me as uh, uh, pugsteady.com, my website. It's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. That's also me on dice.camp. Um, I am still on Twitter at the moment, but really in broadcast-only mode. So if you want to actually have a conversation, uh, Mastodon right now is the best place, to, or, or our Discord. Um, always hang out in the Onyx Pathcast channel as well as Realms of Pugmire, Anima, and all that stuff. Uh, Matthew, take us home. 
Yep, no one wants to find me after the red wine, cracker, and mustard <laughs> incident. I've been Yeah, I've been regretting it ever since I I mentioned it. I think I'm gonna be judged forever now, so don't look me up. Just just forget that I ever even existed. Many worlds, one path cast.